0: That uh, that verse from Psalm 103, as we just turn to to God's Word, and I'm going to read from John chapter 21. I know in the bulletin it says to Corinthians, but I will refer to that. But I want to read from John 21, and it's a very familiar story, I'm sure, to uh, most of us here. It's a story about a miraculous catch of fish but it's also the story of a conversation that uh, Jesus has with with Peter. And I'm going to read from verse 1 of John chapter 21, just so you can get the whole picture. Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee... The sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them. Friends, "'Haven't you any fish?' "'No,' they answered. "'He said, "'Throw your net on the right side of the boat, "'and you will find some.' "'When they did, "'they were unable to haul the net in "'because of the large number of fish. "'Then the disciple, "'whom Jesus loved, "'said to Peter, "'It is the Lord!' As soon as as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God then he said to him follow me we'll leave it we'll leave it there and uh just a, a verse really from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 it's one of the verses that I should be giving to one of the candidates later on it says therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Mantada is from Iraq or Ishmael, is from Iran. Both have arrived here in Breton from their respective countries of birth. Both of them looking for a fresh start, a new beginning. Both have come from difficult backgrounds, uncertain futures, looking for a new future, looking for a fresh security. We all at certain points in our lives wish that we could make a fresh start, don't we? If we're honest. A career move or a house move or a location move. We just wish sometimes that we could just make over, that things could be different. Things could could change. Baptism is all about making a fresh start. It's all about a new beginning. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, speaks about us becoming a new creation, where the old has gone and the new has come. Only yesterday was just talking to somebody about that verse and uh, just reflecting on it a little bit, and the change between a caterpillar and a butterfly. And in a sense that the old has gone, but the new has come, that change that takes place. And that change is just as dramatic, if you like, for us as we come to Christ. Romans 6 verse 4, in the passage that we looked at last week, explaining the meaning about baptism, talks about us as rising to live a new life. Again, it's almost that language of leaving the old behind and the new has come. And we recognise that when somebody is baptised, they go down into the water and their old life is buried and they come up out of the water and they enter into a new life in Christ Jesus. And that's what's happened for each and every one of us as we have gone through the waters of baptism. But what does it mean to make a fresh start? We can look back, and I can look back to my own baptism. You can look back to your baptism. Is that the only time whenever we need to make a fresh start? Or isn't there that case that each and every day, there's almost that beginning, a fresh start? In John chapter 21, we have the story of one man, Peter, being given a fresh start of being given the opportunity to start again with Jesus. The message of Jesus is a message of hope for those who know that they have messed up. Those who know that they have messed up and failed big time. And Peter had. There's no excusing it. He had loudly expressed his loyalty to Jesus, his best friend. But when the chips were down, he ran with the rest of them. Peter had boldly affirmed his commitment to always be there if Jesus wanted him. But when that commitment was tested, he denied all knowledge and simply looked after himself. He courageously declared his intention to stand up for Jesus. But at the first sign of trouble... He'd protected his own reputation. And when challenged about his relationship with Jesus, he'd simply turned, turned his back and disowned him. You can read all about it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. Peter's denial. And there, he denied him three times. Peter knew Peter knew what it was to mess up and to mess up big time. We can only begin to imagine the agonies he put himself through in those days following the crucifixion. I say we can only imagine, or maybe we know. We know those agonies ourselves. Because we know that we have messed up. We know that there have been times when we have done what Peter has done and we've turned our back and we've protected our own reputation. We've run in fear of our own lives. We've kept quiet or we've denied our Lord. Peter would have tortured himself with his own sense of guilt, shame and self-loathing. He would have cursed his own stupidity And lost hope that there would ever be any way back. You see, sin does that. Sin does that. And how many of us have stamped our feet at various times and I thought, how was I so stupid? Why did I do that? Why did I react like that? Have we ever been there? Maybe this morning you're there now. Life has just got out of control. And one thing has led to another. You didn't mean to lose your temper. Or to say the things you said. It just snowballed. And before you knew it, the words were out. Now it's too late. Words stick. You can't put them back any more than you can put the toothpaste back in the tube. You didn't mean to lie. Just stretch the truth just a little bit to maintain your face among your colleagues. But now a whole web of lies wraps itself around you, squeezing every ounce of joy as you furtively glance over your shoulder, waiting for the web to break you hadn't meant to let them down you promised them you would be there because you knew how important it was to them however much you tell yourself timekeeping is not my forte or the call came in I just had to take it the pain is still there You let them down. You see, we've all been there at one time or another. We mustn't be too hard on Peter. We've been there. The message of Jesus is that there is hope. You can make a fresh start. You can begin again. Sin does not have to have the last word. Peter would say, I've gone too far this time. There's no way back for me. Or I've blown it up now. No one will ever believe me. Or I'm just not good enough. I always mess it up. Are they your words? Have those words ever crossed your lips? And that night, out fishing, would only have confirmed it for Peter. I can't even catch fish now. I even messed that up. What good am I if I can't even catch a few fish? One of the most amazing aspects of the gospel is that there is no direct record of Jesus confronting Peter regarding his treachery, denial and betrayal. Many commentators look upon these verses in John 21 as the time Jesus confronted Peter. Peter. I he said Peterborough then, <laughs> but confronted Peter. Perhaps he needs to confront Peterborough. And they align it with three denials and three questions. Peter, do you love me? There may be an element of truth in that, but nothing is explicit. There is no direct reference from the lips of Jesus in the Gospels to Peter's denial or his treachery. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus didn't challenge Peter, but it would just be like him if to do it away from prying eyes. What I do find amazing is that Jesus in this passage meets Peter with amazing, generous grace. It reminds me of those words that we began our service with in Psalm 103. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. What I find amazing in this story is that Jesus comes to where Peter is. He doesn't expect Peter to come to him. But Jesus comes to where Peter is. Verse 4 says, Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. That's grace. That's grace. It brings us to the heart of the good news. It brings us to the heart of the gospel. Jesus comes to us. God came into the world. God reaches out to us. Jesus came to Peter, not just to Peter, but he came to the disciples there, those who had gone out fishing. Jesus is standing on the shoreline. You know that Jesus is standing on the shoreline of your life, waiting to be recognised, waiting to be seen. Think of these disciples just for a moment. They're weary of life. Life is hard toil. They've had enough. The last few weeks have not gone how they had expected. And now they've had a fruitless night of hard toil. They're weary of life. But Jesus stands on the shoreline. They're bowed down by lost expectations. Life has not turned out as they had thought. They thought it was going to be one tremendous march of triumph behind Jesus as he reclaimed the throne of David. But somehow those expectations were now shattered. But Jesus stands on the shoreline. They'd tried their best. They'd gone out fishing. They'd used all their skills, all their abilities. But still they'd ended up with nothing. But Jesus stands on the shoreline. And here they come, heading back to harbour, deflated. Is this it? Is this how it's going to be? And Jesus stands on the shoreline, unrecognised by them, gently calling, gently calling. That's grace. Jesus stands on the shoreline of our situations and our circumstances, gently calling. But Jesus lavishly blesses Peter. He's been out fishing all night and he's caught nothing. And yet Jesus, in his mercy and in his grace, gives to Peter that which he couldn't do himself that which the disciples could not do themselves. The biggest haul of fish that they could ever imagine. That's grace. That's God's grace. It gives us far more abundantly than we can ever ask or imagine. For these weary fishermen, 150 gorgeous, shiny, slippery fish. Now, I'm not a fisherman, but I know plenty of fishermen. And if they had a catch like that, they certainly would be crowing over it. It's a catch they couldn't believe. They had to count it. They had to count it. 153 fish. Jesus provides them with what they could not provide themselves. Life is so often like that. We struggle to break free from our fears, our failures, our brokenness, our shame, and we find that we can't do it. We try every avenue, but our nets come up empty. However hard we try, we cannot fill the emptiness. But Jesus comes and lavishes us with a grace that we can never earn. A love that reaches in and breaks the hardest heart. A forgiveness that reaches out and wipes away the foulest mess. One of my favourite verses is a verse for Isaiah. To the people of Israel, when they're in the deepest darkness, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. That's grace, that's God's grace, a mercy that wraps itself around us, covering our shame. And then, in the midst of all this, Jesus cooks Peter breakfast. And that's what grace does. It gives us what we need. Peter at that time needed breakfast. He needed his hunger pangs. He He needed feeding. And the one thing that Peter wanted most of all was hope, the opportunity to start again. He didn't need someone to list his misdemeanors he knew them well he needed someone to show him the way through and jesus did that grace wipes the slate clean grace renews the sense of self-esteem and self-worth grace re-establishes our identity grace restores our sense of purpose and it's into the midst of that that Jesus has a conversation with Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? I don't know what, quite what he's referring to there. More than what? Was it more than the other disciples? Or was he looking at the fish? The fish, this ginormous catch of fish. Peter, do you love me more than these? You think they will satisfy your needs? You think your career, you think what you can do, you think your abilities will satisfy? Do you love me more than these? Pushing him, pushing him, pushing him to that point where he says, you know, Lord, that I love you. For you know all things. And he says, follow me. Follow me. Not that moment of recrimination, not that moment of pointing the finger, but that moment of grace. One of the Bible verses that is so often quoted comes in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens the door, I will come in. What does it say there? and eat with you, eat with them. I find it incredible in the gospel, as the more as I look into the gospel, how many times we find Jesus eating with people. Because that's the place, that's the place where grace abounds. I'll not just come in and sit with you, but I'll come in and I'll eat with you the place of intimacy, the place of friendship, the place of acceptance, the place of love, the place of community, the place of belonging there. And that's what Jesus did with Peter. Peter didn't want or didn't need the pointing finger. He needed the welcome embrace. Welcoming back into the fold. Maybe that's you this morning. You know in some way or another you've messed up. You know in some way or another you've you've veered off and you need to find your way back. And Jesus just simply says, Come. Jesus is there simply standing on the shoreline. Just simply standing there calling. Can you hear him? In the midst of your sorrow? in the midst of your grief, or you're just wrapped up in yourself, trying to work it out yourself, trying to find the way yourself, when all the time Jesus is standing there on the shoreline, waiting to be recognised, waiting for the door to be opened, so that he can come in and sit with you, and eat with you there's a Jewish tradition and uh, it is of sitting and eating that one of the things that you do if somebody is in difficulties or grieving or in hardship you don't necessarily go with your words but you just go and sit and you eat and you demonstrate love and that's what Jesus does he comes and he sits and he eats and he shares grace with us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your amazing grace we confess that so often we struggle just to comprehend the immensity of it. The immensity of your love. Your love that knows no boundaries. Your love that plumbs the depths. Your love that plumbs the heights. Your love that is beyond our comprehension. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you you come to us and you stand on the shoreline of our lives just waiting to be recognised, waiting for the opportunity to come alongside and to meet us and to sit and to eat with us and be grace in us and through us. Father, I pray that however long we have been walking with Jesus and some of us here this morning have been walking with him many many decades. Father we pray that we might never ever forget the wonder of your grace the wonder of your love that reaches out and keeps us and holds us now and for eternity. Amen.